Amazon's got everything you need for your dorm. From everyday essentials and school supplies, to clothes and decor, to bedding for... Power naps. And regular naps, too. Save on all things college at Amazon. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. And to those of you on the Facebook group who had a guest this week, I have a little bit of a confession to make. I actually put this image up expecting it to be the London Beer Flood. This is the image that came up when I googled it. However, having many, many of you comment saying the Boston Molasses Disaster of 1919... I rechecked my image to find out that the image had actually been double used. It's used for the London beer flood, but it is actually an image of the Boston molasses disaster. So that got me thinking, I can do two, one or two things. I can either admit that I was wrong and put out the video that, or put out the episode that I was going to anyway, or I can do both. So I've spent the last few maybe sort of six hours or so, really investigating and looking into the Boston molasses disaster. And this episode will be on that specific topic. It's on the Boston molasses disaster. But there will be another episode going out after this one, which will be the Great London Beer Flood. So that is the episode that I was planning on doing. But obviously... I actually got caught out by using the wrong image this week, so I hope you all forgive me, but at least you get treated to two episodes. I had to work out what molasses actually is, because I've never heard of it before. Done a bit of research, turns out it is basically black treacle. So we have in the UK a thing called treacle, it's the same thing. Okay, so I didn't actually know what molasses was, but now I do know what it is. I found it very strange that it managed to kill people. It's not something I would have assumed would would have killed many people. But turns out uh, it was actually quite a deadly incident. It actually happened on the 15th of January 1919. So it's 102 years old, this disaster. Now, evidently it happened in Boston, Massachusetts. And it actually happened at the Purity Distilling Company. Uh, their facility was at 529 Commercial Street near Kearney Square. Okay, this was basically the northeast part of Boston. So I don't know much about Boston, but I, I've seen a map and it, it's sort of the northeastern area. Apparently, it's quite an old part of the the city, and it was basically used to store 
molasses okay now at the time molasses was very very popular it was used for alcohol um, and it was used to create munitions so bearing in mind the storage unit that it was stored in was built in 1915 um, it was used quite you know it was erected quite quickly um, in such a, a need for the product it was used to make rum and like I said with there being the war in Europe in 1915 and America getting closer and closer to joining that the need for munitions was very very high so they used a what we would call in in the UK similar to a water tank but a, a huge structure um, which was over 50 feet or 15 meters tall and 90 feet in diameter or 27 feet in diameter so it was pretty pretty big this structure and it was used like I said mainly for that that was what it was used for and it was erected very quickly this is the most important thing is how quickly it was it was erected the company used uh, the commercial street tank to offload from the ships and store it later through a pipeline into the purity tank that uh, it was meant to be stored in this tank actually held 2.3 million US gallons Okay, I say US gallons because British gallons, uh, you get slightly more in a gallon in the UK because we use the metric system. Um, but to put it into perspective, that's 8.7 million litres of molasses. Okay, so quite a bit. All right. Now, <clears throat> when we look at the actual disaster on January the 15th, 1919, temperatures in Boston had risen uh, to 40 degrees Fahrenheit or 4 degrees Celsius now that might not seem very warm uh, unfortunately the previous day a ship had delivered a fresh load of molasses which had been warmed so they warm it to reduce its uh, verosity um, so it transfers a lot easier and due to the thermal expansion of the older colder molasses that was already in the tank the tank burst Okay, now the tank collapsed at approximately 12.30 in the afternoon and witnesses reported that they felt the ground shake and heard a roar as it collapsed. Now that makes sense considering this was a massive structure. This probably dominated the Boston skyline at this time, especially North Boston. Like I said, it's quite an old harbour area. It was This structure was probably seen from miles around. So it was basically like a massive thunderclap um, and sounds of like machine gun sort of noise as the rivets were popping out. So you got to remember these tanks weren't built as rigid as they are today. They were built with rivets around the side. Um, and like I said, with it being built so fast, it wasn't necessarily that structurally good. Um, just to give you a bit of an idea about the tank itself, and the tank, when the tank was erected, there were quite a lot of leaks that came out to the point that people in the town actually used to go up to the tank and just collect stuff that fell out in buckets so they could have it at home because it was that easy to get hold of. Um, and instead of actually replacing the tank, the company just painted it brown so it matched the same colour as the molasses and then therefore it was less likely that people were going to steal it because they didn't know it was seeping out. 
So that just gives you a bit of an idea on how much money the company was really willing to invest into this. And that was obviously before the disaster. But the density of molasses is about 1.4 tons per cubic meter. Okay, so that's 40% denser than water. And if anybody who's tried to pour molasses or treacle, as we call it in this country, it's very thick and it's very hard to pour. It doesn't pour very easily. Obviously, the colder the temperature, the harder it is to pour, the stickier it gets. Um, the collapse of this wave, uh, sorry, the collapse of this structure created a wave that was 25 feet or 8 meters high and it moved at 35 miles an hour or 56 kilometers an hour so if you can imagine being on a street that was near this tank and a wave that is 25 feet high moving at 35 miles an hour is coming towards you it's pretty conclusive that it's not going to be a a happy ending whether you die or whether you're injured um i think injury was was pretty obvious um so the wave was sufficient to drive the steel panels out so again this is another danger with the rivets and the steel panels inside it is entirely possible that you know you could have been hit by one of these as well i, I i've not found any information to suggest people were but I can imagine it would have been pretty dangerous. Um, so I'm just going to read you guys a quick quote from uh, the Boston Report. So I'm assuming the Boston Post, I believe, is the newspaper. And it just says, Molasses waist-deep covered the streets and swelled and bubbled about the wreckage. Here and there struggled a form. Whatever it was, an animal or, or a human being was impossible to tell. Only an upheaval, a thrashing about in the sticky mass, showed where any life was. Horses died like so many flies on sticky paper. The more they struggled, the deeper in the mess they were ensnared. Human beings, men and women, suffered likewise. The Boston Globe reported that people were picked up by a rush of air and hurled many feet. Others had debris hurled at them from a rush of sweet-smelling air. So, obviously, for those of you who have never smelt it, it's essentially it's just sugar and water. So it is a very, very sweet-smelling product. Um, it actually says that the smell is that strong in Boston that on certain days, this is 102 years later, you can still smell the molasses in the air. So... Obviously, the initial wave was quite powerful. Uh, there was even a truck that was picked up and hurled into Boston Harbor by this uh, by this power. It's better than the tea that you threw into Boston Harbor a few hundred years before that. But we won't go into that one. Um, but after the initial wave, the molasses becomes vicious, exasperated by the cold temperatures, and trapping those that were caught in it into a more sticky situation like i said molasses gets denser the colder it gets the harder it is the stickier it gets so if you were hit by this and like i said you know the boston post said it was waist deep in some areas if you got stuck you might be able to move at the start but this was only four degrees outside 
So it doesn't take long for molasses to cool down the temperature and for you to actually be stuck permanently or to a point where they have to rescue you. I mean, at least you wouldn't go hungry because you'd have that there around you. But they said around 150 people were injured by this. 21 people actually lost their lives and several homes were crushed. Okay. There, there was also many horses that died and other animals such as you know cats and dogs and things like that that were all trapped under the molasses and and couldn't you know couldn't get out some were crushed by the molasses um and like i said there is very little evidence to suggest some of them were hit by the debris but uh, it is possible that some died by that as well some possibly died of drowning um or just completely being you know, completely covered in it from head to toe, couldn't breathe. I suppose I'm not sure if it classes as drowning. If it's uh, if it goes solid, um, someone let me know. I think obviously, if it, whilst it's in liquid form, I suppose it is drowning. Um, either way, it's not a not a nice way to go. I can can imagine it was was quite a scary uh, situation to be in. Um, one of the people who was there actually wrote an article um, which is at the Smithsonian uh, in the, a 1983 article for the Smithsonian which I know the Smithsonian is a museum so I don't know if this is for the museum or if there is a magazine for them but it says Anti Distacio walking home with his sisters from the Michelangelo school was picked up by a wave and carried thumbing on his crest almost as though he was surfing then he was grounded and the molasses rolled him like a pebble he heard his mother call his name and couldn't answer his throat was clogged with the smothering goo he passed out then opened his eyes to find three of his four sisters staring at him now i'm not sure if the other one died or or what um but it was uh you know that's just one eyewitness account there's there are there are more that you can find online now like i said there are certain reasons why this happened and and several factors did contribute to the to the disaster like i said the first factor is that the tank leaked from the very first day now you know this just shows they just weren't bothered about this tank uh, the tank was also constructed poorly and tested insufficiently carbon dioxide production may have raised the internal pressure due to the fermentation in the tank again obviously like i said they were using it for alcohol um, and with it being alcohol based they had to ferment it which you know does create that carbon dioxide and as i'm sure we all know carbon dioxide is quite a volatile gas uh, the warmer weather uh, would have assisted the pressure and again, the warmer molasses that uh, that goes in as well also assisted it. Uh, the tank was filled to capacity uh, only eight times since it was built. So again, this is another thing that you, you tend to find. Just because they can take that amount doesn't necessarily mean they should be taking that amount. Um, Purity Distilling Company essentially was was done for this. Um, they they did get in a bit of trouble um, and obviously 
they had lawsuits brought against them in in this now the aftermath it says uh, first to the scene where 116 cadets under the direction of lieutenant hj copeland from the uss nantucket a training ship of the massachusetts nautical school that was docked nearby at playground pier the cadets ran several blocks towards the accident and entered into the knee-deep flood of molasses to pull out the survivors, while others worked to keep curious onlookers from getting in the way of the rescue. The Boston police, Red Cross, Army and Navy personnel soon arrived, and some nurses from the Red Cross dived into the molasses, whilst the others tended to the injured, keeping them warm and feeding the exhausted workers. Many of these people worked through the night and the injured were so numerous that doctors and surgeons set up makeshift hospital nearby. Rescuers found it difficult to make their way through the syrup to help victims and four days elapsed since they stopped searching. Many of the dead were so glazed over in molasses that they were hard to recognise. Other victims were swept into Boston Harbour and these were found three to four months after the disaster. In the wake of the accident, 119 residents bought a class action lawsuit against the United States Industrial Alcohol Company, which had bought Purity Distilling in 1917. It was one of the first class action suits in Massachusetts, and is considered a milestone in paving the way to modern corporate regulation. The company claimed that the tank had blown up, uh, had been blown up by anarchists. However, that was not true. It was just a shit tank. Uh, because some of the alcohol produced was being made in munitions, that was their excuse. They said because obviously it was used for ammunition, that people didn't want them to have ammunition, and that's why they exploded the tank. Um, it was actually found that this was wrong. And after three years of hearings, the company ultimately paid out $628,000 in damages. Okay, so for today's money, that is $9.37 million. All right. Now, I don't think that's quite a lot. The relatives of those who were killed received around $7,000 per victim, which equates to about $104,000 in today's money. Now, I don't think, again, I really don't think $104,000 is very much, especially when you're talking about a life. It's not uh, It's not good. Um, I don't think they actually paid enough, as far as I'm concerned, when they knew the situation and they knew the possibilities of what they were doing. I don't think the, I don't think the punishment fits the crime, personally, but that's my opinion. You might think otherwise. Uh, cleanup crews obviously were sent in after the disaster or to wash away the molasses um, they used salt water from a fireboat to wash away and sand to absorb it up the harbour was actually brown with molasses until the summer and the cleanup took weeks which I'm sure you can imagine why there were several hundreds of people that contributed to the effort and it was an event that touched the heart of pretty much everybody in Boston at the time. Uh, I think it really hit home when uh, actually two 
children were killed in this disaster. There were two uh, 10-year-olds that were actually killed at this. Um, and that, I think, makes it hit home a little bit more when you've got children that, that die in a situation like this. Um, the actual area now is a baseball mound. Um, I believe it's like a... I'm not sure what you call it. Um, I would call it a baseball field. I don't know if you guys call it a field. I don't know anything about baseball, to be fair. Um, but that that's what I would call it. Um, and it's got a little plaque in, in the area that obviously says what happened in 1919. So, yeah, that's my research into the Boston molasses disaster. Not the episode I was going to bring you, I will admit. Uh, quite a short episode. The London Beer Flood is also a short episode, hence why you I'll be putting both episodes up this week. But, um, yeah, this wasn't what I was planning on doing and, and required quite a bit of last-minute research. Um, so I do hope that you guys are, are happy with this episode. Um, it was a bit of a different one, I will admit. Um, and again, like I said, it's always nice to find there are things that I'm not too sure about. So I like this when I when I have to do something different. It was quite fun, although uh, I wouldn't like to be doing last minute research every week. However, having said that, I, I would like to say hello to everybody on my Patreon. Uh, thank you again for those of you who have joined um, and who are still there. Uh, really really appreciate it um, and if anybody is interested I say it every week is get yourselves over to patreon.com forward slash this week in history and you can join us on there all of the episodes will be up this week finally I have to do it in chunks um, and bit by bit because I have had a f- about three or four guys say well hang on a minute i'm literally getting uh, hundreds of notifications i'm getting a notification every single time you put an episode up and it's quite annoying so i haven't i've decided not to do it all in one go and to do it um sort of in chunks of 10 or 20 so the rest will be going up this week and everything then will be on patreon ad free so if these adverts on these do annoy you um, and you want to get all of my episodes ad-free, plus the extra episodes that we upload, um, you'll need to get over to patreon.com. If you're not that interested in patreon.com, and you're not that interested in paying me uh, on a monthly basis, but you do really, really enjoy the the podcast, and you would like to just send a little bit of money across, you can. We do have a tip jar um, which I run alongside uh, Lee from Bizarre Tales, which for you guys who listened to my last episode will know I am now a co-host on Bizarre Tales. So this, uh, any money that goes into that uh, will be split between me and Lee, and that is to buy new uh, new equipment for the podcast. So we are trying to get uh, new mics and things like that to uh, to support our podcasting careers. So if you guys sort of think that that would be something interesting for you, um, the link is available on the Facebook group. If you don't have Facebook but you do want to use that link, drop me a message um, and we can sort that out. It's twihpod at gmail.com. I also have had a couple of people leave me donations through PayPal. It's exactly the same email. So if you do want to leave me a donation through there as well, 
do it through there and I'll give you a shout out if you don't want a shout out so I know a lot of you guys leave me money anonymously um, and you send me a message saying look the money's from me but I don't want a shout out that's absolutely fine as well um, you'll get an anonymous shout out so thank you for those of you who have done that um, but just drop me a message and let me know so thanks for listening guys and we'll see you later in the week for your next episode just remember we all have history make yours great bye bye in the heat of the moment you're not just keeping it calm you're keeping it cool too with an ice cold cold brew and not just any cold brew but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor with a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top that's keeping it calm cool and cold brewed with Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know. The average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know. Your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know. A falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm. You're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Bundling car and renter's insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with Geico or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with Geico. Bundling is easy with Geico. Just ask your neighbors.